Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the workday afternoon on the phone. I'm joined by Jeff Haley, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. Now, let me quickly set the stage before we turn it to Jeff for his insight. Singapore shares continued their fall today following a rout on Monday, driven largely by pockets of COVID-19 resurgence across the globe, particularly in Europe and the US and the UK. The benchmark Straits Times Index lost about 0.3% or 7.18 points to 2,478.53 shortly after the opening bell. Gainers then uh, and losers were pretty evenly matched after 43 million securities worth 66.1 million Singapore dollars changed hands. Coming back from the lunch break, the SDI now down uh, 0.67% to 2,469.00. Today's volume turnover, um, a little over 544 million Singapore dollars. Decliners slightly outpacing advances, 178 to 151. Across the region, it is a second day of red at this same time. South Korea's Kospi down by 1.8%. Australia's ASX is down 0.7%. Hong Kong's Hang Seng down by 0.5%. The Shanghai Composite Index down by 0.1%. Nikkei is still closed. I think they're actually quite grateful that they're closed. Now, the Dow fell overnight. There are diminishing hopes of further stimulus in the U.S., which has raised concerns about the pace of the U.S. economic recovery. The COVID-19 resurgence in Europe has raised concerns about a potential slowdown in global growth. The U.K. particularly is considering a second lockdown. Trade tensions between China and the the U.S. are, well, uh, tense, with China looking at a U.S. blacklist. Jeff, is there an upside? Well, after you said that, I want to go and just buy some barbed wire and put it in the front of my house. (laughs) Goodness me. Um, Happy Tuesday to you, Clarissa. Oh, happy Uh, Tuesday to you too. Yeah, well, okay. I have managed to find one bright spot, and that was the uh, FANG, the FANG stocks, your Facebook alphabet, Apple, uh, Google, Amazon, uh, as we call them, the FANGs on the, on the NASDAQ in the, in the US. Mm-hmm. And that FANG plus index actually rose slightly yesterday. Mm-hmm. So big tech stocks are still holding up very well. And in fact, uh, you could almost say they've become a new safe haven uh, asset like your gold or the US dollar or US bonds. Uh, that's how they seem to be behaving at the moment is all the other legacy sectors got sold off yesterday, uh, particularly banking stocks after the uh, the money laundering uh, documents that were leaked at public wires yesterday. Uh, we have seen big tech. What do you call it? What do you finance people call it? <laughs> and all the big banks, you, call you know, it a <laughs> well, the, all the big banks kind of went, had a, a big finger waggled at them. And yeah, I, I think we need to take it a little bit in context. A, a lot of the documentation was actually made up of banks, uh, money laundering officers who had actually made reports to the authorities. So mm. I think there's more to flow from this one. But even some of the local Singaporean banks uh, were mentioned uh, yesterday in that report. 
And unsurprisingly, banking sector stocks got hammered yesterday, particularly HSBC and Standard Chartered and, and Hong Kong. Uh, I think uh, HSBC fell to the same price it was last in 1995. But looking through the STI in Singapore today, I can see that also uh, the big Singapore banks have also suffered. But I think it's just been a general sector sell-off. I'm not quite sure if there's much to run on this story. I think uh, the banking sector will quickly put this one behind it once the headlines die down. We actually do have a very slow week on the data front this week. Mm-hmm. So the market tends to work on headlines and stories and gossip and rumours and innuendo. And this one fit the bill perfectly. Well, okay, as you pointed out, uh, some of the big banks, in fact, DBS and UOB right now in a top decliners list uh, where they were doing rather well yesterday. Yeah, I well, think this early is the, the, trading the, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday, uh, what's been happening in Asia over the last few sessions is that we've seen sell-offs in the U.S. stock markets during New York. But then the after-hour futures markets have all risen as short-term traders have taken profit. And Asia's followed those stock market moves, those moves in the U.S. Uh, index futures. Today, those UX uh, futures have not rallied at all. They've, they actually had continued going down. And with this banking sell-off yesterday, that's all come together to spill over and uh, make the banking sector today unloved. But uh, I think in the longer term, the outlook's still positive for uh, Singapore banks. I don't think we need to panic at this stage. They're amongst the best capitalised in the world. And when you look at companies such as DBS, they're absolutely at the frontiers of digitisation as well. So uh, I, I do believe that this is more of a storm, but not a, a structural turn in sentiment for that sector. A bit of a tempest in a teacup then? Yeah, perhaps a little more than a teacup, I suspect. <laughs> okay, a bowl. the simple. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, you, you raised an interesting point. Not a lot of news, not a lot of data coming out. So then... You're saying traders are sitting there looking at uh, what to do and how they should be influenced one way or another. I remember when my first job was in a bank 30 years ago, and the analyst that was trying to teach me how to understand all of this said, you know, Clarissa, whatever's going on in the world, if someone's losing money, somebody's making it. So who's making it? Yes, I mean, it is a zero-sum game when you when you put it like that. And I'm glad to have met someone else who worked in a bank 30 years ago. I'm <laughs> feeling quite good about life right now. Uh, look, technically, it is a zero-sum game. The market price is always the correct price for an asset. There's buyers and sellers. But uh, it, it, it sort of perhaps oversimplifies it. Uh, those shorter-term traders or, or investors who are selling, mm-hmm. they could be being – the buyers could be long-term buyers – it could be a huge pension fund or someone like a black rock or an institutional investor or you know, a retail investor who takes a 10-year view and, and not a 10-hour or a 10-day view. Uh, so their investment horizons are different and their price sensitivity is different. And that's why, from an investment point of view, it's quite important to step out of the daily noise of the markets. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're building a portfolio, uh, you need to look at the the, the longer-term trends rather than the noise. Because, frankly, the noise would soon... It's, it's a short path to insanity. It's it, true that. Um, yesterday, I had Ven Srinivasan on the phone, and he was talking about how these low interest rates 
uh, are good right now to create some liquidity in the market. In the short term, it means, you know, people can build some assets, restructure their mortgages. But if these low interest rates continue, that could pose some problems for those longer investments you just talked about. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this one's a very, very pertinent point, and it's one of my uh, soapbox themes, actually. Uh, I believe that after the global financial crisis, uh, the central banks of the world kept quantitative easing going far too long. Um, it, it leads to an inefficient allocation of capital. The simple reason is is that when interest rates are 0%, but you're retiring sometime in the next 5 to 20 years, mm-hmm. you're going to get 0% on your savings. And so we've got the savings glut. We've got all this money that these central banks are printing, and this is what's going on as well now. And what we saw after the GFC was asset price inflation. We saw house prices go up. We saw our cost of living go up. We saw stock markets go up, etc. We're still seeing that going on uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, this, this increases in uh, economic inequality. So those of us who are earning normal salaries, our money goes less further young people coming into the workforce, hopes of buying houses and, and, and accumulating wealth in a 0% world becomes a lot more challenging. Uh, and so people who already have money who, who can afford to participate in these market rallies, uh, they get richer and then most of the people in the world sort of don't get richer, so to speak. So uh, definitely the unwanted side effect of all this 0% money flushing around in the world is asset price and uh, appreciation. That's why we're seeing junk bond yields fall uh, as people are desperate to search for any sort of yield anywhere. And it's also been one of the major, if not the major driver for the appreciation in stock markets as well. One of the sectors that has been performing really well this year um, has been the, the medical, biomedical sector. I'm looking at the top advances list today, Riverstone's on it. Uh, Medtex International is on it. Top Glove is doing pretty well today as well. Um, so, some love for them after the the recent um, lack of love that they were experiencing maybe last week. Yeah, well, but when you look at the when you look at the actual trend since COVID nineteen arrived, I mean the the, the price appreciation of those companies has been spectacular. In fact. I was almost thinking of changing my name to Jeffrey Rubber Glove, and then money would be thrown at me, yeah, because they would think I'm a biomedical company. Um, obviously, with uh, the the medical uh, protection equipment, this PPE equipment, the glove makers, for example, are at the forefront of that. With the world needs lots and lots and lots and lots of latex gloves uh, and rubber gloves. So, I, you know, I don't think that COVID-19 is going to magically go away in Q1 of next year. I think for the most of the world, it's going to be there for, you know, at least till Q3, at least until Q3 of 2021. Those, the demand for those products isn't going to diminish. And so we're going to see anybody who's roughly or loosely associated with managing the COVID-19 pandemic or involved in curing it uh, continue to outperform. You know, I'm looking uh, across the region. It's it's all down. And r- recent trends have been if the rest of the region was down, the SDI was a little bit up. Or if the SDI was 
a little bit down than than there were pockets in the region that that were doing better. That that's not seemed to be the case uh, in the last couple of days. What what sentiment is really um, scaring people? Shall we say? Well, I think I think there's a couple of things at play here. Uh, one, Singapore's a trading hub, and it's very export uh, orientated, and that recovery hasn't taken root uh, evenly across the world. China's doing okay, but other parts of the world are not. As a trading post of the world, Singapore will continue to suffer. The recession here in Singapore uh, domestically has obviously crimped demand, and that's flowed over into a lot of sectors, retail, uh, property, uh, restaurants, uh, you name it. The domestic, uh, domestic uh, consumption remains subdued. And when you look at it like that, um, it's not really such a surprise that Singapore is underperforming. Also, Singapore has a very, very high proportion of banks and property companies in the main indices, and those are pretty unloved sectors at the moment. So it doesn't have a high proportion of technology stocks, for example, uh, in the STI. Uh, It has a lot of banks and property, and and, and so it tends to suffer uh, when people start getting worried about the sort of more mainstream parts of the economy. Conversely, because it's not tech heavy, it doesn't really pick up the benefits when everybody falls in love with big tech either because there's just something, there's just simply no tech companies to buy on the STI. All right. Is that why the the Shenzhen seems to be the only one in the region that is in the green right now? Yeah, I think that definitely is it. I mean, Shanghai is slightly down, but yeah, I, I believe the CSI 300, uh, which is, I mean, the Shanghai tends to have a lot more of these big state-owned enterprise legacy companies in it. Mm-hmm. The CSI has a lot more of these new tech companies, and I, I believe that is why it's holding its own. Much like uh, the NASDAQ uh, tech stock, the tech index within the NASDAQ finished in the positive territory yesterday for exactly the same reason. Okay, now, I have actually gotten a lot of people asking me if with as expensive as those big tech stocks are in the U.S., is it even worth a Singaporean investor looking at them? I do believe it is. It's just that the barrier to actually buy them now, because their share prices are so high, the lot sizes are quite high. I think I was looking the other day at Microsoft, for example. I think you'd need to put, to do a minimum size lot, you need to put down 10000 US dollars. So what's that about? Uh, 13500 Singapore dollars. Right. A lot of money to put down to buy 100 shares. Yeah? So I think it, the more expensive they are, the less approachable they get. Nevertheless, uh, I do believe that big tech, I mean, it, it's a super trend and, and, and an industry of the future. But also when you look at the financial results for the big tech companies over the, this year, even through COVID-19, the financial results have been spectacular. Their businesses are in great shape and they're doing well. And I think that will continue to support prices. And in the 0% world looking for yield, I, I believe that uh, tech prices, uh, well, tech stocks will continue to get more expensive amongst the big players. Right. We've been speaking with Jeffrey Haley, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.